welcome to the first ever very special episode of Let's Talk About Thrones, in which we talk about a podcast. Uh, we have a podcast that talks about an episode that was on TV last night. This is <laughs> so special. Uh, so f- very first, I would like to welcome to the program, uh, Sarah Anthony Lemos uh, and Sarah Richard Gunther. And we have a very special guest, Sarah Rich of lovely Cleveland. Hail and well met. Fantastic. Uh, and also we have Sarah Matthew of Postmates, who is delivering me a hamburger. So we're really just, we're winning today. We're winning hard. Uh, you guys, last night something happened uh, that hasn't happened, or I should say Sunday night, that, that hasn't happened since 2017, August 2017. Do you know what that is? There was an episode of Game of Thrones on? You are incorrect. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, that happened. How amazing is that? Um, I I would like, before we dive into a blow-by-blow of the episode, for you to just give me one word or noise that you made during the episode, Anthony. Oh, shit. (laughs) Richard Gunther. Ah! <laughs> Rich from lovely Cleveland. <laughs> and mine was, he's waiting for Jamie Lannister. And everybody told me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will preface this by saying that, uh, as is my tradition, I watched the episode with my wife and sister-in-law. Uh, my wife, who hasn't rewatched anything, so she's kind of trying to remember as she goes and my sister-in-law who doesn't remember the beginning of the episode at the middle so (laughs) this was paused a few times and i had to go on a couple tangents about explaining a few things and if it were not for doing this podcast i would not be prepared to explain the things i had to explain last night yeah that makes sense that makes sense and this is actually the first episode that i watched without taking notes while i was watching it i i did a quick run through afterward and took the notes afterward. And let me tell you, that makes the viewing experience so much nicer. So much but I, nicer. <laughs> but I also got to sit down and watch it with Edward. And that's the first time Aww. that we've done that. So oh, wow. that was really cool, too. And he was noticing some things. And he was kind of joking when I was reacting to things because he was seeing how excited I was getting. So many firsts for the last season. I love it. Um, okay. So here's the thing. I I think we should observe the ancient customs uh, and just have uh, a little overall what you thought of the uh, episode from our guest, Rich from Lovely Cleveland. So just like give us a minute on your overall reaction to this first episode back. So I always think it's interesting. First episode of of a show of a season of a show like this. You know, generally, I, I rewatched season seven right before coming into this, and that episode is all about kind of level setting. Like, not, a, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, but all of them are cl- very clearly were led up to, right? Uh, as a result of this, this felt much more, this was still a lot of setup, right? I mean, we're not a ton happens in this, especially when you're looking back at like the super packed, you know, last season where there were just, there were, there were season concluding events happening every episode. Um, this didn't. This didn't feel like that, but it it did feel much more stylized, much more 
intentional in a lot of ways, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I did have get something in my eye for a second, for like two seconds, and I uh, totally missed everything that happened with Theon. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I really enjoyed it, and um, I thought it was... I was satisfied with it for the most part. It had some minor issues. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, right. I, it, was, it was interesting. Great. Well, since I know these guys, uh, I would like... Uh, a minute from each of them overall reaction we've never really had this chance to feel new things about these episodes so anthony give us a minute we we gathered a lot of people that we we've been waiting to gather for quite a while especially john's reunion with uh bran which was meh and his re- right. reunion with Arya, which was very interesting especially yep. the way it was acted out and played out and I'm glad to progress the story a little bit. I don't necessarily think we had to progress the story a lot, but we did get a little bit more information than we had before. And it, I'm just really excited that they weren't in such a rush to throw things at us that they missed the pacing on this episode. It was really well paced. It was interesting throughout the whole thing. There were no dull spots, and I was really happy with it. Great. Uh, Richard? Yeah. I think you're right on on the no dull spots. You know, there was something going on pretty much all the time. There were a couple scenes that I felt like they went a little bit too long, and we'll talk about those as we get to them. But for the most part, I feel like this really delivered. It, it We had a lot of satisfying moments. We had a lot of clever conversation and, and kind of surprise twists in those conversations and I'll reference that again later I did not see the end coming so that was delightful for me and I'm kind of excited to see where that lands yeah and mine is just sort of a compilation of all of yours which is like oh god I'm so glad it's back I'm so glad it's good this was like a little bit, I would call it like Winterfell musical in which everybody's <laughs> like, I'm with you. I hate you. I like you. I remember you. You're a bitch. Like it was all just like one big relationship level setting episode. And that's just fine because it seems to me like this is the one where they got to have fun. The next one is the one where they're going to be like very busy getting ready. And the rest of it's probably just going to be one big giant battle and maybe an aftermath. Who knows? So with that being said... Let us start with, actually, I want to start even before the credits. Did you guys happen to catch on HBO the beautiful character-centric promo with the final countdown of eight, seven, six, five? Yes. That was pretty. Yes. That was Some very cool. Some promo producer spent a long time <laughs> coming I, up with the best shots. I, I missed that because, as I said, I was watching with my wife and sister-in-law, and they have no semblance of, I want to watch this right now. They wanted to make <laughs> popcorn and uh, things like that. So I did not. I, I actually started with the episode about 15 minutes later than the entire rest of the civilized world. It happens. Um, I'll just say that the countdown didn't start at 10. It started at 8. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Anyway. Um, so our first scene starts, uh, actually, I'm sorry, we got to talk about the credits. Yes. Yes. Okay. Was that, was there any leak of that or like any rumor? Cause I was yes. like totally thrown off. There, I was... there was, um, the, the lady that plays Melisandra actually took screenshots of it during the premiere and tweeted him. Oh, 
Oh. Yeah, much to the chagrin. Somebody should banish her to Essos. Yeah. Um, I know. I was like, where's... I need to see my old town. Where is it? It's all, it's all yeah. gone. No, so, but, but they did this whole flippy tile thing instead of the normal uh, mechanical thing, and it was it was amazing. Some of the this changes, the, the gaping hole in the wall... Um, yeah, it was, that was crazy. Going down below also, Winterfell and everything else was, yeah. it was amazing. What 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 the credits have always been is they've always been about the houses, right? The great houses, right. what or the 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 races, not races, the the cultures that are a part of different regions. Like if there's not a house for the Dothraki, they're at Vase Dothrak, right? But now we're down to basically two houses, right? The Starks. And the land, uh, the Starks and the Targaryens, who are like uh, uncomfortably coexisting in Winterfell, so they get one sort of turn of that big sundial wheel thing. Where some of them are more comfortable than others. Yeah, both of the yeah, (laughs) both of their sigils are on it, Uh, and then you get a hugely detailed instead of all these different houses, hugely detailed run through of Winterfell itself, more than you've ever seen before. You get a little snippet of the last hearth, which becomes horrifyingly relevant. And then it moves you down to King's Landing, and it ends in, on an interior uh, with the Iron Throne, but it's very much still part of the Lannister part of the credits. And uh, we were, like, stunned. Everybody was... I've never seen people get so excited for credits of a season eight before. And so, you know how I kind of feel about these. I've been underwhelmed. I thought they were clever, but I haven't all been all that excited about them. I was like, I was ecstatic about this. And there's so many details in here, right? Like going into the catacombs in in actually both uh, both places, both mm-hmm. locations, and also I don't know if you noticed this, but as we started above the wall, which you don't realize until you pull through the wall, yep. and then as you're doing that, you are following the path that the walkers are going to take to get to Winterfell, but you're looking at it from the perspective of those in retreat. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah. I will and, say and- a really gr- a really great way to not enjoy it as much is watching it over someone else's house on 120 hertz refresh rate TV, no! which oh! has a has a magical effect of making all CGI look terrible. Oh. So I have to watch it on a normal TV uh, to to truly appreciate it because I've, yeah. I've always loved the you know the kind of like steampunk diorama feel mm-hmm. uh, of the credits. So I need to I need to rewatch it uh, in in normal viewing circumstances. I'm not. I also feel lie. like they gave the attention to detail to that light spinny thing. I forget what yeah. that's called, but that, the orb that of got old town far animal. more attention and detail than it did before. It always looked kind of cheesy before compared to the detail of everything else. So I'm just going to say one thing, and I'm sorry this is a douche announcement, but I did watch it with surround sound. And holy cow, you can hear. My my dog kept barking during the hammering (laughs) scenes. He was like, someone's at the door. Someone's at the door. And they weren't. It was just the sound was coming from all over the house. It was really cool. It was my house. Yeah, they did a great sound field. Great, great Great. sound field in this. Just beautiful. Okay. Uh, One one last thing is... As you're looking at that that intro scene, you have questions from people like Richard that aren't as familiar as we discussed last episode with the geography of Wessos or West Westeros. Wesson oil. Yeah. What happens is now even someone who's only briefly seen a map through Skype like Richard knows that you got 
you have the hole in the wall, then you have Last Hearth, then you have uh, Carhold, and then you have Winterfell. You know what the cities are in between. You, you've seen that path. So now when they talk about it, you can say, oh, I know where that's at, because they just blatantly showed you exactly the path that the White Walkers need to take. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So let's actually spend 20 more minutes talking about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else think that it started was going to start with a flashback the way it started with like this little kid like like I yeah. I for well, me no. my first thought was this is something old. It wasn't a flashback, it was a direct reference. Yes. Right? Yes. So, it yes. was a direct reference to young baby Arya Stark as the land like first in the first episode of Game of Thrones you have the whole scary north of the wall white walker scene, but then you're you have a scene where Arya Stark little baby is running around to try to get a better view of the Lannister contingent coming into Winterfell. Right. And now you've got this little rando kid from, you know, (laughs) outside the Winterfell wall, some nearby hood watch like trying to get a better view. And the view that he gets is spectacular. It's like just the unsullied for like these really clear lines in the snow. And just like, it was incredible. And so the next person you see, of course, is all grown up Arya, which I thought yeah. was really great. And Arya is having basically her own parade of fat past father figures and <laughs> the guy she might like to get with. Yeah, I I, I like the little touch where Arya is the one that st- steps aside and lets the kid through to be able to see the, the contingent go through. Yep. Um and her little smile. Yeah, and and her little knowing smile. It was just really good. And the fact that she tr- almost like she couldn't resist but to you know, yell out to John as he passed by, but then at the last second kind of just held back and he didn't notice. Um yeah, I thought I, the whole thing and, and it shows the numbers of people that are still in Daenerys' army and that yeah. was ridiculous. There's enough for three columns, three solid columns of probably 10 wide to go down past the next hill over mm-hmm. it's insane yeah it's an enormous number of people and you don't even like you get a hint of that initially it isn't until later when they start really spending the 15 million dollar budget and they pull up for us to see more of all of winterfell than we've ever really seen before modeled out mm-hmm. and so we have the whole set and you see this tiny line that was that massive group of people yeah um so uh i'm not gonna do any better on this topic than black twitter because black twitter had this covered so i'm just gonna mostly leave it alone but i think it is important to acknowledge that apparently all of winterfell and its nearby towns have never seen a black person before in their lives. <laughs> oh my god. That didn't yeah. you know the the knowing glance between Grey Worm and Miss Sunday and I didn't get it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That that was my my sister-in-law's first interruption was pointing that out. Mhm. <laughs> but it was important because it's like look um in some ways it was a little I would like to think as a privileged apologist that was a little bit of an, a, an apology from uh, D.B. Weiss and, uh, you know, other guy. Uh, and uh, th- their show has been atrociously, horrendously, Tolkien-esquely white. Uh, and th- at least they are, they can't fix it now, but they're at least referencing like, yeah, we know. 
Um, and so, yeah, so I thought that was good. And if you really just, you should just go on Twitter and find like Clarkisha Kent or April Rain. Well, April Rain doesn't watch it, but like there are a lot. Just start with Clarkisha and go from there. It it's just priceless. It's just priceless. I saw some. Um, I saw a great meme that it was uh, everyone in Winterfell when Grey Worm's riding down, and it's the lady you know calling on the cell phone. Yeah. uh, What was it? Barbecue (laughs) Becky. Yeah. 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 That was the (laughs) meme. Yeah. So. um, Okay. So yeah, the whole episode, just by the way, is like thank you from the gods of gifts or gifs because. Just the facial, this whole episode was just about people reacting like like with their faces, right? Including more dragon faces. Yes, totally. Oh, oh fact, I, I have, the, I need some clarification here. I came to the yeah. experts. I need some clarification on what those yes. looks meant. Yes, I know what those looks meant. Um, and so the, uh, and the aerials of Winterfell, like they introduced those last season where they're like, now we can afford aerials of Winterfell. Great. Anyway, so... Tell us, Anthony, what you took away from the arrival scene. What was what stood out to you? I really liked the. Well, first of all, the CG was immaculate. Um, the dragons flying overhead, following the column, and everyone being surprised by that. And and I thought that that reminded me of some Dragonlance dragon fear going on. Ooh, I thought it was really good. I thought it was exactly how the scene should have opened. We didn't have to worry about transporting or oh gosh, they're coming. They're here. Like it just throws us right straight into the action. There's there's this this idea that she's already traversed much of Winterfell on her way to, to the city of Winterfell, and I'm glad they skipped all past that and got straight to the point. Yeah. Um, and their feet have got to hurt. Yeah. I mean, God, these guys never stop traveling across Westeros. Okay, uh, Richard, what stood out for you? Favorite awkward moment? Go. Well, so my favorite awkward moment, I think, was as everybody is marching in, to them, Winterfell must look just so bleak and downtrodden. It ain't no Marine. And when... <laughs> John tries to, he, he almost kind of apologizes for the welcoming that they're getting because it's very tepid and, and, and certainly everybody's, everybody there is, just looks like they've been beaten down and it's not looking its best. And, she, you know, she, she's very polite about it. And at, in a later scene, even talks about how beautiful she thinks it is because it's very different for her. She's never yeah. seen anything like this before. Has she even seen snow? No, probably I mean, not. She's seen some snow, she, but um, she's seen ashes falling. Yeah, it? she's seen John Snow <laughs> snow, but anyway, right? Probably not. Now there was one wonderful moment here, and that was the when I said dragon face, we got more dragon reactions. Yes, we got. Arya and Sansa's first glimpses of the dragons. Arya yes. was excited. She was like, get yep. me on one. Get me on a dragon. Sansa, not so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but so... Also, Rich, I understand what you mean by dragon face, and we'll talk about that. I need later. some yeah. clarification. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wait, do you not know what dragon face is? No, no. I in that particular scene oh, okay. of the dragon face reaction, I just need some clarification on what the what the dragon is thinking in that situation. Oh, what the dragon is thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The dragon the is like, face. look at me. No, 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 no. We'll get to this oh, later. Yeah, the other on. dragon face. Fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know what the dragon mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, John and 
Uh, Daenerys make it into the inner courtyard. He kisses Bran on the forehead. Bran's like, that's nice. Um, he, <laughs> everybody has, everybody also has Bran face where they're like, remember that cute little kid? Oh, and everybody's had it. And it's fine. Like he's been through trauma and also he's, he's past, present and future. And also, but John's confused, yeah. right? John doesn't quite get it, but Sansa just kind of looks over knowingly because she's like, yeah. yeah, that's probably not what you expected, but that's brand now. Yeah. And then, and he, like, then he starts busting yeah. out the, the cataclysmic ideas. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, everybody's by like doing way, chit-chat. Yeah, by the and way, he's like, Viserion yeah. has blue eyes and breathes blue fire now, uh, Daenerys. Uh, how about that for your, your lovely kid? How about you can the small talk? <laughs> Again, straight to the point. There's no, there's no messing around. It's boom. Here yeah. we go. Well, but also I think that that like courtyard where everybody's kind of meeting up. You know, every you know, kind of the two parties are kind of meeting up. I mean, you know, you want to talk about being reminiscent of the first episode of you know yep. of yep. Uh, Robert Baratheon's court kind of coming to and the weirdness of um, Daenerys kind of filling in this Cersei um, or Robert Baratheon kind of role and being like, yes, your place is, is so nice. I, I like it. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very interesting. I, th- I think Danny uh, faked it better than Cersei did, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's trying to the extent, like, it, it was a big step, I think, even for Sansa to be like, I acknowledge you as my queen, which, you know, she didn't really want to, but she didn't have a choice. The king in the north bent the knee. Um, so then you've got, uh, would I be remiss in going straight to the indoor scene? Would someone nope. like to? Do it. Okay, so then once again, we have one of these uh, a bunch of crabby lords around a table. Uh, and you've got the main principles all up in the front table. And then you've got all the crabby lords. And there's a lot more of them because Sansa has called the banners, right? And everybody's in and various people like there's this little kid who's a, remind me, a umber? Yeah, yes. he's little he's baby, burnt little, umber. Little, oh, <laughs> you are working on that one all day. Spoilers. Um, so uh, that kid gets permission to go home, get his people, bring them in. Uh, they didn't have enough wagons. So they brought the wagons. Um, and then the, the time for the public reckoning has come. And of course, is led by there's like a little speechifying. Even Tyrion does some speechifying, which is really quite something. And then uh, little Lyanna Mormont, not so little, clearly pissed off at her superhero. Yep. Right. Like, what did you do? Not only did you go fall in love with a foreign queen, you gave up your title, dingbat. So that was not cool. I really like that. My emotions during this were, okay, well, something's going to happen. They're going to convince him, or at least they're going to come to pacify him, whatever else. And then Tyrion stands up and starts walking around the table. I'm like, oh, once again, Tyrion's going to come out with this brilliant line. And he right. fumbles it. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work so well because, oh, right, they don't like the Lannisters. And you mm-hmm. believe your sister? Come on. Like, yeah. It's... Oh, yeah. Like, that, uh-huh. Well, there, there's a very devastating line. That's like one of my favorite lines of the episode in regards to that. Yeah. Um, but in, in, that, in that scene, I thought it was uh, just really interesting. I, I, I'm so sympathetic to John in that instance where he's like, you guys, we're all going to die. So, like, maybe if we don't, then you can hate me, you know, for my title. And I and everyone else in the in the room is like, but we gave you our nice thing, our crown. 
Yeah. Please. Right. We keep get to calling people king of the north and they keep not, <laughs> not being, being king, king of the, of the north, north for various reasons. <laughs> What's that all about? I also think it would have been interesting to look at this from Daenerys's perspective, right? Like the here she is in this kind of, you know, dank environment, so different than what she's used to. And they're having this discussion. And the first person that Sansa calls on is Lord Umber, who's a child. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, well, we don't have enough horses. And Daenerys must be thinking, well, shit, it's a good thing I showed up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then Sansa gets a little bitchy like, what am I going to feed your 8 billion people and your dragons? And then... Danny, I think, wins the engagement. Yep. Like Sansa's like, what do dragons eat exactly? And Danny's like, whatever the book they want. Not exactly <laughs> like that, but that's but how I'm I like, took it. But I'm like, is that helpful? Is that is that mollifying no. the situation? Like, uh, that, that was, there were a number of moments there where I'm like, you need to, you, you should, I don't know. I, I have, Everybody I have Danny, yeah. Danny with I know it's a power move, advisors but- is always a little bit too rough around the edges mm-hmm. yeah. and, and a little bit too sharp on like her position. So that was totally in character for her. And, and if memory serves right, that is what that is the impetus to getting Tyrion to stand up. Like he saw, yeah. mm-hmm. well, she's not the diplomat I am, so I need to start acting. It's just... <laughs> He he took the ball the wrong direction. Like, <laughs> oh, oh no, yeah. Richard. Yeah, it, it's completely within her character, and yeah, it, it's a it's a fun scene to watch. But as a person who like wants things <laughs> to end well, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. there just no, please don't don't be mad at each other. Um, I'm glad she didn't say are dead. Yeah, <laughs> um, northern princesses. Uh, okay, <laughs> so <laughs> the next relationship readjustment session is. TBD married, married, not married, unmarried, we're not sure, Tyrion Lannister and Sansa Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yes, they're, they're in yes. my favorite spot, the parapets overlooking the cor- courtyard. That's right, the, the, what we would call the Ned Stark The uh, area position. of great dialogue. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so... Uh, the parapet of dialogue plus four. There's a little bit of conversation that skirt. They never mentioned the marriage, as far as they're both concerned. That did not exist. It's not very comfortable for Sansa to see her maybe ex husband there. And but they do have what I think is a pretty critical exchange about Cersei that shows that Sansa has learned more thoroughly than even Cersei's own brother who Cersei Lannister really is. And it is yeah. just like I will let uh, Rich from Lovely Cleveland give us the final line. But what did we all think of this? Like, like this is one of those great, like, like, uh, like simmering bitter exchanges, at least at the end there, where, you know, everything that kind of is bubbling under the surface comes to, to the, comes up to the, I guess, comes up right at the right time and just caps the scene just so beautifully. As, as so much of the, the great dialogue on the show has, uh, that was just, Absolutely. just chilling. And, and what did so she funny, say? What was the line? Do you remember? I believe it was, uh, and I used to think you were the cleverest man in all of Westeros or something like that. Oh. I, I oh. used to think you were the cleverest man alive. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Was, I, I qualified it too much. Yeah. And so and that is so beautiful, too, because she's in this scene just being such a hard ass. And as, as we were watching it, it was like, why is she being such a bitch? 
<laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, she has a lot to be angry about, but she has to be, you know, she has to be strong. She has to be in charge. And then she shows that, no, 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 she's actually figured this out and Tyrion hasn't. Yeah. Uh, you, she's like, you really believed her? You, you guys have glossed over the beginning of this conversation, though, where uh, Tyrion says the last time we saw each other was at, uh, was at, the, was, was at the wedding. At uh, Joffrey's wedding. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, she's like, yeah, that was that was pretty chaotic. He's like, yeah, it wasn't the, wasn't the best wedding. And she goes, ah, it wasn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I, I love that. The like regicide is their icebreaker for that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember when we weren't responsible for, but the king died, and everybody thought we did it? Wasn't that fun? Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so then. <laughs> Right down below, there's Bran. And now, an interesting thing is, like, at some point, either the Three-Eyed Raven or Bran figured out, you can't see everything all at once. And you you kind of, like, when you're looking at the past, you need to be pointed in a direction. Mm. And I think Bran is sitting in that courtyard. I know what he's doing, uh, ultimately. But he's getting waves off people. Because every time he looks at you, he's like, I'm reading your past. I'm reading your future. I'm downloading all your information. And so he did it with the queen. He did it with, um, who was the next person he did it with? I saw him specifically do it. Uh, Might have been Tyrion, maybe. It was somebody where it was just like, now I have you as an anchor and I'm seeing everything I need to know about you. And, you know, I think that's fascinating. And Bran was definitely also like one of the major memes of the of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's become his own subset, which I think is... (laughs) Quite something. Um, But, uh, you know, he is a little bit less traumatized, I think, and a little bit maybe more secure in his power, although we haven't really had a chance to see it. It's mostly being intimated. Right, right. I I think it's funny, too. Like, he's always in the same place the entire time. Yep. Edward even asked me at one point, he said, does does he just never leave the courtyard? Oh, and did you see the GoFundMe campaign? Yes. <laughs> I have to assume that was actually fake and photoshopped, but it was still I fantastic. I have to assume also, but how brilliant, a GoFundMe campaign to build a ramp in Winterfell so <laughs> that Bran can get out of the courtyard. Is handy capable? <laughs> That's so fantastic. That does go to one of my... My biggest criticisms of the ordinarily the set design, the costume design, everything is amazing. However, Brand's wheelchair—they've just determined—is like it's just going to be like a real wheel, like a modern wheelchair, and you're just going to head. You're just—it's a magical realism. Just deal with it. Yeah. But this is like straight up just a regular wheelchair. Also, this guy wargs into wolves. So <laughs> if you have okay. a problem with the wheelchair, you're probably going to not be watching this show. So uh, was there magical anything else realism. in this? It, was there anything else in this section of Winterfell before we head south? Did anything else happen? John and Arya. Uh, John and Arya. Met of at course. The, at the Weirwood Tree. Yes. So this is big, right? John Rhea. John Rhea. So you've got um, uh, John sort of looking longingly at the tree. And then so- uh, Arya basically sneaks up on him. She's getting and- really good at that. Yeah, that's her special skill, among other things. And it's just a beautiful but tense moment. And there's something in it that rings so true to me in particular that I was just like, oh, my God. 
But basically, they, um, Anthony, tell us what happened. Well, there, John is standing there at the river tree, and he's kind of doing his little brooding thing, reminiscing, brooding, whatever, uh, the, you know, the thing he does so well. Arya sneaks up behind him, the thing she does so well, and the conversation begins almost confrontational because they start talking about you brought her up here, you know, and, and trying to protect the family and this and that. But it ends with them smiling and sharing weapons like, you know, oh, you still have needle and yeah, I still got this. It, oh, I've got this one. It, yeah, it doesn't end with that. It ends with the most with the most uncomfortable hug for John right. and like literally a threat from yeah. Aria, where she's just like, hey, remember, family first, right? Hey. Hey, or I'll yeah. kill you. Yeah, I but, mean, you see it in John's face. But you all, yeah. But what I also think is really interesting is you don't see that same tension in her face. She's yeah. completely relaxed, because in, in my mind, it's she knows she can deliver on what she is saying yeah. and is hoping that John does that. So here's the thing that, that was so true about this scene. I happen to know a pair of siblings that were once very, very close and over the years drifted apart and were geographically separated and then came back together. And what I found when they first came back together is they have no common understanding of each other's progression in life. So one of them thinks one of them is like just a cute little, um, you know, doll with no thoughts or was just that funny, loyal person that was always in my house, and that is no longer true. And the other one thinks, like, this guy hogs all the attention and whatever, whatever. So that's a family dynamic, right? Really good point. Right? And what you see unfolding is clearly written by someone who has siblings or (laughs) raises siblings because John goes straight in for the, oh, yes, Sansa, she's such a pain in the ass. And Arya's like, uh, no. Because Arya and Sansa have had a chance to in the most dramatic way possible, murdering Littlefinger, <laughs> reconcile their younger animosities with their present day reality. And John is behind the curve. And there is a Yeah, I mean Oh sorry. There is a direct parallel actually in what she says to John uh with that last scene in the last season when they're both on the parapet there and um uh what is it? Uh is it Sansa that says Arya is the strongest woman that she's ever known, the strongest person that she's ever met or something like that. And she yep. very much echoes that about Sansa to John. Uh, in yeah. the scene, the which I was really, yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and so that to me was like, okay, the sisters Stark are like, they're, you know, they may be very different, but they're in sync. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was cool. And then we go South. And I think the one thing I will say, and then I'll kind of hand this discussion over to you guys. Cause My general feeling about everything that happened in the South was it had no juice. There was no juice going to it. And there's, I think that was a conscious choice because the the North is where the action is. And the South is where people are just like, la-di-da, nothing's really happening. It's not even snowing. One exception. With one exception. Mostly Braun. But, uh... uh, Oh, see, I'm thinking, I'm, okay, well, anyway. So... Richard, tell us a little bit about what's going on down south. You know, this is funny because we we see Cersei. She's just kind of, you know, her normal dead self. And she's approached by, I, I can never remember his name, Euron. Dr. Frankenstein. 
Oh, right. No, sorry. Uh, the monster. Kyburn. Kyburn. And told that the wall has been breached. And she's like, good. And, um, you know, I have other plans looking out over the wall at, oh, hey, there's Euron's fleet. Well, he happens to be bringing in the Golden Company. So, cut to Euron talking with one of the Golden Company soldiers, I guess the, the, the leader. leader. The commander, yeah. And they are preparing to go to uh, go and talk to Cersei. And then, you know, they have some banter. I don't even think it's really worthwhile. But then we get to this weird scene where Yara's tied up, still alive, <laughs> and Euron is just taunting her for some reason. Yeah. Well, there is one piece of um, banter that I thought was pretty good, which is, and this answers the Jeopardy question, which is, what is one thing that Cersei Lannister and Samwise Gamgee have in common? And the answer is, they both love Oliphants. <laughs> and they were very disappointed when they didn't get to see an Oliphant. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting that Cersei got so worked up about the elephants after everything. She was like, I wanted to see an elephant. Which was right. quite charming, actually. Yeah. So, and and that happens in the throne room where Euron has gone to see her and present the Golden Army commander, and she welcomes the commander, and he's like, "Well, what about me? Don't you welcome me? I did all this for you, and I really want to go to bed with you. Why aren't you giving me the time of day? I don't understand." And she's all like, well, okay, how many horses do you have? And how many elephants do you have? Oh, sorry, we don't have any elephants. What? I really expected elephants. What's going on with you? I need more from you people. Yeah. (laughs) So at the last minute, after she's told him to go shove, she gives him a look that's like, okay, you can come up here, which fine, You've begged for sex. You can have sex. Why? 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 Well, there's Why? a very... Have you ever watched General Hospital? Uh, yeah, I, I, will, I will proudly admit that, yes, I did when okay. I was younger. So what happens when you're pregnant by someone you can't be pregnant by, but you are pregnant, but you need to not be pregnant by that person and not a lot of time has passed? Okay, right, right, right. So, yes... There's that. So cut to the scene because we don't see any of them together. Thank God. Thank God. We we basically have the after talk where he's being all swaggery and just was I wonderful? And he's she's she's like, man, you are the most arrogant person I've ever met. I think I like that about you. And he keeps on going on and eventually says the line, I'm going to put a little prince in your belly. Yeah, and Cersei, 17 steps ahead, is like, yeah, that's why I invited you up there, dinkus, because I already well, have a baby in my belly. And <laughs> If she has a baby in her belly. If she has, so if there's she, two ways. Right, right, right. I took it the other way. So I like go down the path that you're talking about, because I want to explore that a little bit more. That's not how I saw it. Okay. I entirely saw it as that my baby's daddy still can't be Jamie Lannister, so it's got to be this schmuck. But it could also have easily been, as I told Jamie Lannister I was pregnant, so I got to get pregnant by this schmuck. So well, is it is that but is that I also a sign that because Jamie has left the capital that, you know, cuz previously she had said, I'm the queen, it's going to be our kid, I don't care. 
and now is is this a is this more of is this less of a it can't be Jamie's kid and is this more of a this is a going to be a burn to Jamie by having this be Euron's kid. Mm, that would also be very soap opery, wouldn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. And see, I took it a completely different way. I actually looked at the the life experience part of it and oh, Jamie left, this guy's available, and it's going to happen eventually anyway, probably. So I might as well go ahead and take out my anger on Jamie by having sex with this dude. Also, I'm a Lannister, so I have to give this kid daddy issues. Who better than Euron Yeah. Okay, between one of those five theories, we figured it out. (laughs) I do like, though, that she she was standing there. Did you pee on the bed? I'm going to cut your tongue out. She was was sitting there, and she had um, Captain Bill Lumberg in front of her and Euron Greyjoy, and she was like, you know what? This crazy dude. That's who I'm taking to bed. (laughs) Um, Okay, so speaking of people in beds... Uh, the next, I'm pretty sure the next scene we see is Bronn, uh, who actually did injure a dragon and live to tell the tale, being completely ignored by three prostitutes who were like, remember <laughs> Tall William? He was so great. He died. Remember the one who got his eyelids burned off? Oh, how do you sleep? Like, they are not at all interested in the guy that actually slayed the dragon, probably because they don't believe him. But also, like, they're all wrapped up in the tragedy of these thousands of men that died on the plains outside of King's Landing. <coughs> so Bronze like, fine, whatever, talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right here underneath you. And in comes <laughs> Richard, Anthony, Rich. Kyburn. Bum, bum, bum. Maester Coldshower. <laughs> you were writing these down all day, weren't you? Uh, and so... Kyburn comes in and is like, listen, I'm super sorry to have interrupted your joyless coitus, but um, <laughs> you need to uh, go north and kill the last two people that you worked for with a bow, with a crossbow. And Terry, uh, Bronn is like, uh, okay, and leaves. And so you Actually, are going to... I think his yeah. reaction is, this fucking family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But at least it puts Braun that much closer to my favorite people I want to have a beer with, which is Braun, Tormund, uh, Tormund, and the Hound. And the Hound. No. Like Braun, Tormund, and Sir Davos. Oh, Sir Davos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I don't want to have a beer with Tormund. This is like, it's going to end. It's going to be like Florida Man. That's yeah. how a night with Tormund ends. <laughs> yeah. Wildling man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's one other scene before we go north, which is that Yara is sitting there tied to a pole in a ship, and she hears a bunch of noise outside. And there's Theon. And um, called it. He, yeah, totally. She was alive. Good job. Um, no, called it that it was Theon. Yeah. Well, like as soon as as soon as that was happening, I'm like, oh right, he got his balls back. Yay. Yeah. I mean not back. Okay. The the <laughs> length of time that you've already discussed this is longer than the scene. The, like yes. this is my problem with it, is that we were given this like, you know, this I'm Spartacus, I'm gonna, you know, take the beating of a lifetime, then kill this dude to you know, we gotta rescue Yara. And it lasted three seconds. Just long no, enough. It was longer. Well, I bet than it lasted that. longer than the joyless coitus. This is true, <laughs> and it was long enough for him. Joyless. for him to get a headbutt 
a well-deserved headbutt from his sister. Yes. Yes. That's my favorite part of it because she, she stands up, she headbutts him, he falls down, and then she reaches for, reaches for his hand. He grabs her hand and stands up, and he's got that look in his face like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I deserve that. Okay. Let's go. It's I like, we that. good? Yep, we're yeah. good. Yep. Is this now official permission for Theon to die? That so. he is that he has had his true redemption. You know, he's done he's done something that's required bravery. And I mean, well, I, I know he rescued Sansa too. So, but know. it depends. I mean, if he dies on the battlefield, like actually doing something decent, then that's one thing. If he just dies on the way there, like he gets, you know, he gets trench foot or something. Yeah, something mm-hmm. stupid dies of mono or something on the way up to the north. <laughs> Just that, loses all be, energy. Yeah, that'd be a little different. But if, he, if he if he actually dies and he's still standing and fighting, then that's one thing. But it, you know, if it's something stupid, it I wouldn't be sad about it. I was just like, okay, well, his story never he he never yeah. redeemed himself. So it's he's still he's still in the negative column as far as I'm concerned. He's okay. totally killable though, right? Yeah. So you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah, Alfie Allen. Uh, if he hadn't already been paid, watch the episode you're listed on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're then, thank God, back to the north, right? And um, n- now there's like a little bit of business about how the car starks aren't showing up, basically, because um, John is no longer the king in the north. And yep. John tries to be all salty about it. Was it car starks or yep. was it someone else? No, the car starks are coming. Yeah. yeah. But. The umbers. Uh, no, no, what the, is it? no. The umbers are coming. House Glover, Glover is, is not Glover. Coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. old guy bald keeps telling people to go piss off. Yep. Then finally tells them to piss off, which we all know what's going to happen to him. Uh, you will see him again. He will just have blue eyes or be a zombie or um, be headless. And, and so uh, you know, John tries to be salty about it, but it's kind of like, dude, you gave up your title, and that's it. Tough schnush. Um. So then is the scene that I think a lot of people have thoughts about where John... Oh, well, first there's a... Oh God, there's so much in this. Yep. Maybe it'll... Paint midnight. a word picture. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the three amigos, Varys, Tyrion, and uh, Davos, are kind of walking along the parapet being like worrisome old men. And they... they Basically, Davos is like, you're... Um, uh, your queen has had the milk. Now she has to buy the northern cow. It's like they have to get married, right? And uh, they just have like a little bit of an exchange, and then it cuts down to um, the two young lovers, and they're uh, some Dothraki ride up, and she gets a sense that the dragons aren't eating, and she has that look of like a mom who's like, "I need to see my child immediately." And they go off eighteen, and sheep. then yeah. The scene that, I don't know, people have been waiting seven seasons for is for someone else, like a Stark, to ride a dragon, uh, happens, and it's played for comedy. It's so weird. I mean, I loved it, because I, I, I think the predictable path would have been to play it like in a heat of a battle, and he jumps up on the dragon. Well, and I also appreciate, uh, not that I'm approved by any stretch of the imagination, but like I do appreciate like showing a relationship that isn't just like hardcore sex, <laughs> right. like Jon Snow's ass just like shoved right. into again a shot. Again and again like, and again. I have no problem with that, but it, fine. In Game of Thrones, I don't have a problem with that. It was a, like almost like a weird rom-com, not like a meet-cute, but like the the scene where like the... 
the surly boss and the, you know, and the secretary, like, find out that they have a lot in common. And then, you know, they, they go flower shopping or something like that. Right. It did have a weird feel to that for me. Yeah, on Spoiler in Time, I referred to this as Jon Snow's Can You Read My Mind moment from Superman. Oh my God, and he was wearing a cape even. It was a reverse Superman. Um, it was really great. I'm not going to, I'm I'm a big fan of the rom-com and I miss them every day um, that they're not on my big screen as long as they don't start Catherine Hagel. But um, I really loved this scene because it did fulfill the basic thing of who gets to ride the dragon. And as it turns out, he's about to find out there's a good reason why that dragon lets him on his back. So they go, and they go to this beautiful waterfall, and I had this brief question of whether it was like a similar place to where he and um, his now wife, uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow were, but I guess it was south of the wall, so no. Um, but that did, and, the, the similarities there, that struck yeah, the me too. the similarities were meant to be reminiscent of his time with, why can't I remember her name? All I can remember is her real name, Rose Leslie. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Bo Redhead. Yeah. Yeah, she was awesome. Anyway, um, so they have like a little bit of banter. And then the best, I think, personally, the best thing in the whole, for anyone who has a dog and a significant other, you know what the scene was. Do you have a dog? I have a dog. Okay. So do we all know what the scene was? Do we all know what was going on here? I thought they were just getting to know each other better. (laughs) <laughs> I, I i mean i feel like this and maybe i'm maybe this isn't strong enough but the dragons are sizing him up and seeing them together and trying to figure out oh is this gonna like you know is this person gonna be taking my person away from me or is this my daddy or you know is this someone in new in the family that's how I saw this. Um, I, I just I took it as that cautious jealousy that dogs will give when you're like if I'm playing with my daughter and Kai's around, he doesn't like it. He he will you know he he'll play with with my daughter. He'll play with me, but if I'm playing with her, he's not happy that he's not involved. And that's that's yep. how I took it. Is that cautious jealousy? Yep. I you read guys, it. Has nobody? I read been- it as um, the dragon giving the little finger eyebrows to uh, Jon Snow. I, I, Jenny, I know exactly what you're talking about. We called our dog Cold Shower for a reason. There were many nights of <laughs> board games as a result of that canine. I completely Thank understand you. what you are going for. But to me, it was the dragon being like, hey, I recognize this dude's a dragon. She's a dragon. They're going to make dragon babies. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, the very top thing that you do when you Google it is, is it okay to have sex in front of your dog? So I know the dragons are supposed to be her children, but it's definitely meant to be a joke about the dogs. And I was entirely, as a wife of a comedy writer, fine with it. Uh, Hmm. Okay, so that made me laugh. Um, So, but yeah, so that was the last time anybody got to be happy, I think. (laughs) And it, it, I mean, it is like such a stark departure, um, really from like, I mean, a lot of that was like a almost like a straight comedy beat in a romantic scene, which is really unusual for a scene where for in a series where it's just like, hey, look, there's some rape, 
and uh, you know yeah. some devastation and oh, like and, and, and knowing yep. that this entire season is going to be like epic battle after epic battle. It was like a really really stark, no pun intended, in how it was played. I mean, I would say a stark departure is when a stark gets on a dragon and goes flying. Hey, uh, I, I did the, I did like the little line about. Um, well, I've never ridden a dragon. Well, no one knows how to ride a dragon until you ride one. But what if I fall? Mm-hmm. Then it was nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah. And there was another sure line, over too, with the Northmen. which was, you've completely ruined horses for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good. So we, so we go from the rom-com to Arya meeting Gendry again. Oh, but first, little reunion with the Hound. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where yes. he's like, basically, they size each other up. They realize they're both now fully professionally trained stone cold killers. And he's like, you're a bitch. I like you. Bye. Which is the most the hound way to have a reunion. Yep. Exactly. And then we get to Gendry. This did not go as I expected. I thought this would be a much more joyous occasion. And it just wasn't. It was Gendry's there to do his job. And Arya is there to get a weapon made. And that was kind of. It's still up in the air. It's still that that. Yeah, but yeah, there was a there were some sparks. There were some there. sparks, and not just from the dragon glass. And, you know, yeah, I, I actually <laughs> thought the way they played it, where you know she's flirting with him in his field of expertise, and you know, and also showing that you know she's a a badass, uh, like a thorough badass. By like, I want this very specific weapon made, but in a very a very kind of flirty way. I actually thought that was really interesting uh, yeah. the way they approached it. Okay, so then we get to actions have fudging consequences portion <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Because as we remember, I believe Tyrion Lannister last season in an episode called Eastwatch very specifically said, please don't kill the Tarleys. You have no idea what this will do. And Daenerys, as an absolutist, was like, did they bend a knee? No. <laughs> and wiped out House Tarly in one fell swoop. No, when, so, but like, we, who cares? When we recap this, I remember Richard like, well, what, I understand the overall significance, but why was it important about these two? And that was before he realized that it was uh, Sam's father and brother. And now right. that kind of comes full circle. Poor yeah. Dickon. Right, exactly. And I don't even catch that as this scene starts like yeah. i that's not even top of mind and and then, because they go in she's there to like find him and commend him and reward him for saving her friend jora and not just that she is very much there to make friends with her new guy's bestie like she puts on a <laughs> smile that you haven't seen on her face ever it's well, a goofy silly little smile that you do when you lo- you really want to like someone and they don't threaten you in the least and, and, and like to she's watch trying. that drain out of her is so <sighs> oh, so great i well, do think it's the best scene in the whole episode yes yeah so I have a broader question that I was thinking about as a result of this scene because I wasn't aware if Sam knew that his parents were dead. Now that that scene obviously no, because they deliberately kept it from him and then he left the, the Citadel before they could tell him. So um, it it made me it made me realize that Game of Thrones is very much about um, uh, like isolating generations of people, and it made me thinking of the major characters that are either 
all of them obviously are children, but are any of them that have either parents alive or that have had children, those children are still alive? Hmm. Hmm. That's too much math, but I get where you're going. <laughs> because like Sam, like other than little Sam, I don't think anyone that's like, hey, I've had kids. Oh, also, they're alive and doing well. Um, there's I, I was trying to rack my brain of what characters have had that or that have had, you know, that have parents alive to kind of because, I mean, that's really the significance. And I think they, they were almost kind of alluding to this, that, you know, there is there's kind of this loss of this older generation that yeah. would provide guidance and that kind of stuff and that these people are all kind of learning it on the fly. Um, so I, w- I was just kind of thinking of that, that that was seemed really significant that Sam was kind of the last character to kind of lose that. Yeah. Yeah. So write us through this. Okay. So this is so organically done. I thought it was stunningly good, which was like, uh, I'm, I'm, I really like you. I really like you. You're so nice. You're my best friend's bestie. Um, is there anything I can give you for saving this older father figure love of my life? Well, I could use a pardon. Everybody's Ringo tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> and then... Um, He's, she's like, oh, for what? She's like, what? He's like, well, I stole some books from the Citadel. Okay. He, he, he. Uh, and then I stole a sword from the Citadel. No, from my father's house. You know, it was going to be in House Tarly. Bum, bum, bum. And her face drains. And she's like, not like old man Tarly, whose name I've already forgotten. And Dickon. Um, <laughs> And no, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it reveals itself in such epic layers, which is basically like first it's Sam is like, you roasted my dad. And he's trying so hard to remain with his composure. And he's like trying to just it's so heartbreaking. He's trying to justify it. Like, well, at least I'll be allowed back in my house by my brother. And she just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> And then Sam just really gets so sad. We skipped one scene that's important here, but oh no 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 we didn't. It's coming up right next. But basically this whole scene and look at Jorah's face. And as soon as Tyrion hears about this, he's going to be like, and that's why you shouldn't have roasted the Tarleys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Sam has done a lot of good scenes, and he's been the voice of reason and a, a pivotal kind of like side character here. Yep. His acting in this was stunning. This scene just tore at me. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I want to know how many takes they had on this scene because the editing is done exquisitely well and it flows very, very naturally. And it doesn't, you know, when you see scenes, you can tell sometimes that they've been retakes or whatever. This really felt like they got it perfect the first time. And I'm sure they didn't, but the editing was done stupid well. And second, when was the last time you saw the blood drain out of Sam's face for anything? Mm. They were being attacked. He was being chased by a white Walker. He was, you know, captured. He was trying to go through a wall that he didn't, he didn't know, have any way of getting. And all this time seeing dead people and everything else, he was still fine. He still had a bit of a smile on his face when he wasn't panting. But in this scene, it drains completely. The happiness drains from his eyes. His smile droops. And I've said this so many times before, but on this scene especially, the face acting between Daenerys and Sam is just immaculate. Dude, the blood drained from my face when I saw this scene. I mean, it was crazy. You felt for both of them at the same time, like this, the, the, the... 
the oppressor and the oppressed or the attacker and the attacked or whatever, but it was just, they were, you felt for both of them and it just sank the whole mood completely. Also, Game of Thrones, the way that Rich was saying about isolating generations from generations, it's also about isolating generations from each other within the generation, right? Like it really is about all of these people have such good intentions in different ways and they have made stupid mistakes and that's that. So of course, uh, Poor Sam is like, can I, can I be excused? Oh, and he and runs. Yeah, that instinct to get away was like the the most real oh. of like of like feeling that rage yes. and that yep. despair yes. and just needing to like just leave was in terms of writing. I thought was just phenomenal. Yeah, and and this and, is so. Danny has had these these triumphs and these these tortured moments where. She learns something, but it's at a great cost. And she does this and, you know, these ups and downs. And, and Richard, I know last year I, or last season I told you, well, that's pretty much at an end. She's pretty much just going to go straight. Of course, I didn't see this coming. But this is just one more mm-hmm. lesson that she had to learn. And, yep. oh, my gosh. To, and the way that she learned it, this, this man who saved her, her, her father crush, um, she's devastated him because of her actions that she did against the guidance of her counsel. Like this is right. a lesson so she had go to back. Learn. Exactly. Like I, I had to think about that for a moment as he is so devastated by this. He just has to get away. Now go back to the moment for why she went into that room. Yeah. And it's just so friggin' poignant. Yep. Yeah. So, Okay, so Sam runs out. There's that classic moment where he's disoriented, and if there had been car horns in Game of Thrones, it would have been a whirr, where like a car almost <laughs> runs him over. It's that same shot. And then who's in the courtyard? It's well, of Bran. course, Bran's in the courtyard. His, and, his his car doesn't have a horn though. That's what they need. They need to add a horn beep. to his wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, but but Bran is uh, Samuel Tarley is one of the few people that Bran will still be human for, which is interesting. Like people react so authentically to Sam, and so they're basically like, "Yo, you got to tell John right now the thing you know." And Sam Sam's like, "But you're his brother," and Bran's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> and, not anymore. <laughs> Three-eyed yeah. raven, bitch. So then you get down. Well, not just that, but she, he's not yeah, his brother. He's like, technically not his brother. Point of fact, I'm not. This is true. <laughs> and Sam actually legitimately is his brother of the Night's Watch, and that's what they call them. So it's like, so then you cut to John. He's down in the crypts, and he's in front of uh, a statue of Ned Stark. And here's what I have to say here, and I'm not taking credit for something someone pointed out on Twitter. I'm going to say they pointed it out on Twitter which is the last thing that Ned Stark said about John's mom, which is, we'll talk about your mother when I get back or when we see each other again. And then he's standing in front of a Ned Stark statue when they talk about the mother, which I thought was pretty great. Like (laughs) nothing is by accident. here. Also, uh, Liana's tomb is right next to Ned's. Right next to Ned's. So as the scene cuts to Sam and John talking, Liana is standing behind John. So... Sam falls down in the dark crypt. Uh, John sees him. They haven't seen each other yet, right? And he's like, what are you doing in Winterfell? And Sam is something you've really never seen before, which is he has like wild anger in his eyes. It's contained, but it's there. Mm. And so John does not get the soft version of this, right? 
because Sam is wrecked. Yep. And it, but it is really elegantly done where it, basically it all comes out. I don't remember specific. I wish I had written down the entire dialogue, but it was just like very elegantly scripted. You could tell they had a year and a half to figure out how they were going to do this. <laughs> but basically Sam keeps saying, no, 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 you're the king. He's like, I gave up the title of king of the north. No, no, you're the king of everything. Yeah. In, in the the look on John's face is is genuine not understanding like it, he doesn't get it at all. Yeah, and right. then so then the subtlest thing happens to John's face too. All of the last innocence of John Snow gets stripped away, and he almost looks like they shot him different. Mm. He has a fiercer look, like that sort of larger proboscis nose that he has that they've always shot in a way that makes him look soft and young, all of a sudden they shot it in a way that looks make like more hawk-like or more like Rhaegar. Mm. Like it was really mm. subtle, but I saw it. And then, you know, he has a little bit of denial. He doesn't even like what's amazing is he's so wrapped up in the parents part of it. He doesn't even get to the I'm stooping my aunt part of it. He's, right. Like that right. part goes completely un- remarked upon i mean he might have thought it but and and he he actually challenges sam by saying um that his father was the most honorable man that he knew and you're telling me that that you know he lied to me my whole life to me my entire life and sam quickly turns around with exactly what he needed to say and it's no he protected you his entire life through to his death he protected you right yeah well, yeah, and that's so, a, that's a moment where he could have tried to have been vindictive, or you know, it, and like you said, mm-hmm. he came into that very uh, that scene very hot, obviously, and you know, it shows that maybe this isn't the situation he would have the venue he would have chosen to to yeah. give this news, but that he's not ultimately not trying to hurt his friend entirely or at least you know maybe he's forced into the situation but yeah not trying to hurt john or anything like that because he still says he i mean he still says you know i I believe he says something like your father the man that raised you or something like that like still acknowledging that this relationship is was meaningful and legitimate to him just not you know uh biologically accurate and now you take that and flash that back after john learns his name is aegon targaryen not john snow and you flash that back to um why did Ned send him to the wall and why wouldn't he tell him until after he went to the wall? Because as soon as he became a brother of the night's watch, he relinquished all titles. He was no longer a threat. Even if you don't know the title exists, you still relinquish the title. So he's no longer a threat. So then he can learn his heritage and then forward that a little bit more to, uh, the talks with, um, Mr. Eamon. Yeah. And all those talks now take on a different meaning for John. Every a one Targaryen of them. in the world alone is a terrible thing. Yeah. And then John walks in the door. Like, he sent him to his only living relative. Yeah. That he that knew could, that he, he could access. That wasn't under attack. And yeah. Amon, or yeah, uh, Maester Aemon also relinquished his title because he joined the Black. So he's basically following in Maester Aemon's footsteps with the same family doing the same thing. Like it's just this poetic tie-ins to these previous seasons and stuff. It's just beautiful, even through John's anguish at the moment. Yeah, it was powerful. So then we get one final moment. 
in Game of Thrones, which mm. well, is we called. Get, we get two. Oh yeah, please. Yeah, did I miss anything? Go for it. Well, well, yeah, we we have to go um, see Vern Dumber. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So here's what happens. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> You see this house. It doesn't look very active. It's clearly a hearth somewhere. Um, and it's the one you've seen in the credits. And you see, uh, for the first time, actually, the merry band of Beyond the Wallers who survived the fall of the wall, which would be um, uh, Tormund, Beric Dondarrion, and like uh, those are the only really two that matter in that crowd. Uh, and they're like looking through this castle it's clear they've i think they say later they've walked all the way there and then they hear noises and they're all freaked out and of course it's the men of the night's watch who came down to find out what was going on down here and then they're like walking in and they see this terrible thing and they're like wow that's terrible and as if they all hadn't ever seen a dead zombie before Tormund turns his back on one and then all of a sudden game of thrones is a horror show (laughs) It's a horror cut. Like, mm. oh, the slow reveal. It was so scary. I was waiting for the jump scare, though. Like, they, you know, because you, you have that great shot of the out-of-focus blue eyes, you know, right behind as they're, you know, they're kind of looking at the scene and you see the blue eyes all of a sudden and then you know that it's, you know, there's going to there's gonna be this horrific moment just for a second. But I was kind of waiting when they're all like, you know, going around the, uh, uh, what is it, last hearth or whatever. I was waiting for yeah. a couple of White Walkers maybe just jump out or something like that. So they, yeah, they could have they, gone for a cheaper oh, horror yeah. beat, but uh, they, they held perhaps back. a more factor one. Yeah. But why would they not assume that he would be? I mean, he was there tacked up on... So, we, I mean, you see this kid tacked up on the wall on these stupid symbols that we're supposed to be remembering. And so, clearly... <laughs> They've been attacked by the White Walkers. Clearly, he would be a White Walker. Like, what are they thinking all, that they just decide, oh, okay, uh, that happened. All the Whites they've seen so far have been decrepit and deteriorated. This is a fresh body that has been turned. And that's new to, mm-hmm. I believe, all of them. I don't think any of them have seen one that's been freshly turned like that. Yeah, okay. But still Not up close dead anyway. by the White Walkers. Right. So I would like to bring up something else, though, because when they, they, they light him on fire and he starts screaming, and these arms and legs and body parts that are stapled to this wall that he's on in this, you know, the, the circular pattern, they start catching fire. The thought that crossed my mind was the, the arms on fire in that, in that particular pattern. Reminded me of the Targaryen crest. Yeah, I, I I thought that too. Actually, yeah. And I don't I don't know that there's any symbolism there, any symmetry, but it did, especially with it on fire and the way that it lit up, it really reminded me of the Targaryen crest. I'll I'll allow it. So then, of course, you get this horror cut of like the blue eyes slowly opening, and it goes ah. And like Tormund jumps back and then they burn it. It's really evocative burning <laughs> circle spiral thing. And then they're like, we all got to get to Winterfell, man. And is that the end of the episode? No. No, then Ooh. we have the visitor. We have a final arrival yeah. in Winterfell. Oh, so good. So Bran's still waiting in the yard because a hooded figure comes into Winterfell all slick like. Like, I'm just going to be real slick. 
Right. And what does he say? He says something like, someone asks him, you know, are you going in or something? And he says, no, I'm waiting for an for old a friend. friend that or, was, yeah. that was the point at which I literally was like, is 30 minutes before this was like, uh, when Sam had come out and was having his freak out. That's when he said it. And I was like, he's waiting for Jamie Lannister. And everybody was like, what? No, he's waiting for <laughs> Sam. And I was like, he's waiting for Jamie Lannister. Like I got all worked up about it. So yeah, he was waiting for Jamie Lannister and he just, they looked at each other and Jamie was like, Oh shit. Yeah. This was yeah. another great moment for spawning memes. There was, there's like dank, um, Bran, like just waiting, like totally stoned, sitting in his little wheelchair. But then this, I saw like just an endless barrage. My favorite one was that the Kill Bill sirens were going off, oh. right? As yeah. you said. But yeah, I mean, those were, I mean, the only thing I'm concerned about with this season is, uh, the, the Sam death of family confrontation and this were kind of the two big ones that I was really, in terms of non like epic battle confrontations, these were the two that yeah. I was really looking forward to. And obviously, we're going to get to the real confrontation next episode, but or you know maybe in subsequent ones. But uh, I, I have to, yeah, I, I I was surprised that they put both of them kind of in there at once. I yeah. I found this really interesting because of all the people that will be likely to forgive Jamie for pushing Bran out the window. It's Bran. It's Bran. <laughs> because he wouldn't have been the... And that's probably what's going to end up happening, which is everybody's like, let's hang Jamie Lannister. And Bran will be like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gone north. I wouldn't have been the Three-Eyed Raven. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you all these things. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and I have this... I mean, the other thing that I'm wondering is... And I know I'm going to do the thing that I hate when people do. But I wonder if the reason that he is kind of hospitable, if you will, if you would call it that, is that perhaps he knows that they need Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, he might have a bigger role to play. But it's it's very interesting, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Although I do have one question. How did Jamie arrive at Winterfell without running into Brienne, who's heading to Casterly Rock? Well, you see, you take a left um, at the giant tree the right around the marshes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, it's a big country. The, the Jenny he bypass. took the turnpike. He's rich. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the Jenny bypass that Sam and Gilly took on the way up to Winterfell. Uh, apparently, Brienne's taking that down. Maybe yeah. Brienne took a break at the inn at the crossroads. But then Jamie would have, too, because that's where everybody goes. Well, like the, let's just the, the put it this way. Plots. Yeah. <laughs> let's just put it this way. Uh if they had met each other once again, then they wouldn't be able to meet each other once again. Cause they always think they're meeting for the last time and then they never do. So, uh, yeah. So that was basically it, uh, for the first episode, a lot of relationship resetting, reevaluating big reveals. And then on to next week. I'm just excited to be yep. watching these at the same time as Richard, more or less. I know. <laughs> Yeah, this is fun. This is really fun. This is such a different experience. I, <laughs> it see, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to read. I wanted to watch without taking notes while I was watching because I wanted to actually enjoy them the way that you enjoyed <laughs> these episodes when you first watched it's them. It's so great. It's so great. Um, okay, so any final thoughts around the horn? Rich from lovely Cleveland, go. Well, I'm sorry, you broke up just for a second there. I apologize. What but, uh, I said your ahead. name and then I said go. Yes. Hi. <laughs> I enjoyed the episode very much. What was the question? 
what did you like about the episode? Final thoughts. Uh, the thing I liked about the episode, it made me realize that some of my favorite parts, the characterizations about Game of Thrones is not that they, uh, especially with Jamie Lannister, it's not that necessarily that all of the villains have super great arcs because you have these very powerful archetypal kind of villains that are kind of sometimes kind of flat, but the way that they can take people that were absolutely villainous very early on, Jamie Lannister trying to murder a child for witnessing incest and making them sympathetic, not necessarily heroes, certainly not, but giving them some context and some humanity to them. And that's what I like. This episode was abound, uh, abounded in humanity. So I enjoyed it. Abounded in humanity. All right. So, uh, Sir Richard Gunther. I am happy to see everybody back together, and I'm already significantly annoyed by all of the theories about everybody that's going to die this season (laughs) and who's going to ultimately end up on the throne. I have my theories. I'm not going to share them. Uh, So I just enjoyed seeing everybody before that happens. Great. Uh, Anthony. I, man, I I don't, like, this episode wrapped up so many minor little little things that I wanted to see this season that I'm not even sure what else I want to see this season because all the people have met with the few exceptions. Like it's, it's all out there, but with John now knowing who he really is, I think the John and Danny storyline might be my favorite and I can't wait for Arya and Gendry to get married. <laughs> we don't have time for that. <laughs> all right, Jenny, how about you? Final thoughts. I was just so happy. I was just so happy to have good television to watch again. There's a lot of good television, but there isn't a lot of good television that is like drawing the nation together, the world together in a conversation about it. That was something that's sort of been lost with the, you know, the multiple fractures of all the streaming channels. And it was really nice to have something that you knew everybody would be talking about. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We've talked long enough. Uh, Rich. Tell us where people can find you and what you're doing. So you can find me on the Twitters at Mr. Anthropology. Uh, if you're into uh, technology, hey, uh, you can hear me on the Daily Tech Headlines podcast. So to search for Daily Tech Headlines, I do that uh, generally uh, Mondays, Thursday, Fridays, and a weekly roundup on Saturdays. And you can also find me every Wednesday at 1230 p.m. Uh, on uh, the Gestalt IT Facebook page. I do a roundup of all the IT news of the week. So you can find that there, facebook.com slash Gestalt IT as well, or in your pod catcher of choice. Okay, uh, Anthony. Well, you can just go to RitualMisery.com where this show is hosted and where pretty much everything else that I'm involved with is hosted, except for my uh, little tidbits in the world of Infinite Gain because that is just too exciting to have on one site with the Ritual Misery. So we have that over at InfiniteGain.co. Yay! And you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. And you'll find uh, Rich and Jenny there as well. Hi. Isn't that great? Uh, Richard, how about you? All right, on Twitter, you can find me at Richard Gunther. You can find the work that I do, which is writing about tech and talking about tech over at thedigitalmediazone.com. And you can also hear me this week on the latest episode of Cord Killers, and we'll all be making our rounds on that show over the coming weeks. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, you can find me at infinitegain.co. You can find me J-E-N-N-I-E-J-23. And by the time this comes out, I'll probably be able to tell you my exciting news about my company winning an award. 
It's not a Pulitzer. You can. I, I say go ahead and do that now because this will not hit the airways until after midnight. I promise. Oh my God, you guys! We want a Gracie. Wait wait, so wait, 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 wait. There's going to be the people that don't know what a Gracie is. So oh, why don't, okay. Right. It's an award of women in radio and television, and we won it for Brave Not Perfect, and that's pretty exciting. Um, God, I really hope there wasn't a time on the embargo, uh, but whatever. So cool. Yeah. So, really so nice. that was all Reshma Sajani, who's the host of that, and you can go over to anchor.fm. You go to Apple Podcasts and check out the Brave Not Perfect podcast. It's really great. For women, for men, for everyone, like it's just a great, upbeat, um, really helpful podcast. And every, pretty much everybody here on this podcast has worked on it at some point or another. So you all want a Gracie too. <laughs> Woo! You get a Gracie, and you get a Gracie. You get a Gracie, but it's a really big deal for a very small company. So that's exciting. All right, uh, Anthony, tell us where we can talk about uh, Thrones if we, the uh, out in the audience, so desire to talk about Thrones. Let's talk about Thrones at gmail dot com. And now, right. now we guarantee we will we will get your emails in a f- timely fashion because we're not uh, the the back catalog is complete. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, write us and tell us what you thought about this episode. What you think? Well, don't tell Richard Gunther what you think is going to happen because he doesn't want to know. But you could tell us. I don't want to know. Okay, uh, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of uh, Talking Thrones. Let's talk about Thrones, 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 Thrones. See you next week. Bye. See you. R-A-T-U-A-L-M-I-S-E-L-Y